Hey everyone, this is Kip. I just want to let you know that uh, your eyes do not deceive. It's episode 206. Where are the episodes immediately preceding it? We're still working on that. We had some behind the scenes health and like work and life changes happen behind the scenes and I just fell super behind on the editing. We've kept recording normally as I am trying to find the time to just catch up and fill in and backdate things. So this is episode 206. We will get the missing episodes up in the next couple of weeks and be back to current. But we just wanted to put up this episode to talk about the 69th anniversary, nice, of uh, Night 54's Gojira. Hen. Shin. That was a bad roar. Uh, I can't really like roar like a Godzilla, but I'm Kip. Um, here with the book club with me is Steph. Hey, Steph. Hey. Uh, and David. Hey, David. Hello. Does anyone have a better Godzilla style roar? All I can think of is that that canadian psa about every everyone has like their their own hobby and the one guy goes he's like i i'd like sound effects and he's a t-rex and he just goes like "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) it sounds awful (laughs) uh um have you ever seen the like british like comedy series in betweeners yes no there's a point where um one character's like trying to like flirt with this like girl and is like feisty one you are doing like a really bad Yoda impression <laughs> to like try and flirt with this girl. <laughs> is, that, is that the episode where they go to um they're like going like camping in the RVs or something? No, that's the one where they like go to this girl's like sister's house or whatever, and then like one of them tries to like masturbate before having sex the first time because he's worried like he'll come too soon, and then like he's like. <laughs> can't get hard and then like one of them eats the ficus they get kicked out oh my god <laughs> the in between news is really fucking funny I love that show yeah. I feel like I'm missing a wild ride of an experience here it was like big enough it got like two movies three movies something like that yeah yeah but it was like this like British teen comedy like the first episode is like this person like gets like hit in the face by a fish so like one of his friends starts punching the fish that's awesome but um we are here of course to talk about uh the godzilla franchise on its 69th anniversary (laughs) because nice uh, yeah probably would have made more sense on the 70th but also sometimes episodes line up just right and it's also a like funny number Mm -hmm. yeah um so we are going to be talking about uh 1954's gojira uh the like original uh, Godzilla movie, and really quick, um, we've been trying not to talk about struck work, um, but we're pretty confident on talking about at least uh, the um, Japanese Godzilla series since they are from a Japanese company, and even certain efforts to like restore them or like have modern versions like Criterion, 
we're pretty sure aren't being done by like struck companies. So that's kind of where we are there. Hopefully that is the case. But as far as I could tell, like modern subbing efforts or like restoration has been done by companies that aren't being struck as well. But yeah, so really quick, um, what's everyone's uh, relationship with uh, the Godzilla franchise? Us Toku podcasters. Uh, I think like, weirdly enough, I saw this movie. I don't know why, because it must be, I don't know if it's public domain, but it, it played when I was a kid one time when I was just like uh, at our, uh, we have like a, my family owns like a cabin, like two hours away from uh, mm-hmm. my house. And it just happened to be on like public access TV or something. So I watched the first time I watched it was like, you know, when I was like maybe 14 with subtitles on a TV in a cabin. It was a very weird, uh, weird way to watch it. But I think that's the first time I've seen this movie. And I've seen like a good, decent portion of other Godzilla movies. I wouldn't call myself a Godzilla fan, but I've seen a lot of them. No G fan magazine for you. <laughs> no, 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 not quite. What about you, Steph? Um, I I saw one of the early ones, and it's it wouldn't have been this one when I was a kid. I want to believe it's uh, one of the ones from like the seventies. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I watched one of the real, real new ones, and I only remember how new it was because like everything was CGI. Um, so aside from that, I had no idea that this franchise was this large until, um, I clicked on it in max and it showed all of the movies in the franchise. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> like, I got super excited to see that. So I have the, um, like really cool, like criterion collection of like the like show movies, like the first like 20 ish years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's nice. And yeah. Um, so like. I've always been a fan of Godzilla. I, I um watched like a lot of those movies from like blockbuster or like rental and like really n- not a lot of context because like a lot of there's like a lot of like weird continuity and stuff. Like it was just like no, that's a VHS and like sometimes you kind of know and like the quality can vary. It's kind of like a lot of these like oh, major yeah. like James Bond style franchises. Like what is this movie good? It's cool. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is this movie? And like yeah, like a lot of like just growing up like a big fan, like that kind of stuff though. Um, because I like practical effects and I'm not afraid to admit it, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this movie was how fucking awesome the a lot of the camera shots were. Like mm-hmm. recognizing how early in cinematography this would have been and like they were just discovering how to do all these like neat things without the aid of technology like we have now. I mean, there are some parts that were definitely kind of cheesy, too. But for the most part, it was really awesome seeing just how many different ways they could uh, change a scene by just how they moved the cameras around. Yeah. And, like, I think sometimes, like, I'm a big fan. Like, I will always say that, hey, like, I think, like, CG's overused. Part of that is, like, not mm-hmm. being a, like, part of the, like, unionized workforce in Hollywood. Um so it's like cheap to get a lot of it but like it's just oh like there's definitely stuff here it's like oh we had to make something think about how it worked right melt things (laughs) sometimes there was specifically a couple shots in here where i saw it and was like how the fuck did they film this yeah yeah i was super impressed with a lot of it because 
of course, my mind always goes back to, well, I know there's a software that can, and then I have to remember, like, that wasn't a thing. They were quite literally doing all of this by hand. So Yeah, like, everything's in camera, right? Except for, like, yeah. smoke effects. Yeah, and, like, trying to even figure out how to do that on a real-life stage is just mind-blowing to me. Because they had to, like, build stages and, like, be like, oh, we need to have, like, this clock tower for this seed, you know? that, mm-hmm. And, like, it should work, you know? Yeah, and have, like, actual explosions and stuff, too, because things weren't, like, regulated back then, so every day was a danger zone. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of old Godzilla movies did end up with somebody on fire. There's, like, I think um, one of the, like, early 70s, late 60s, like, movies has, like, a bunch of scenes where they were like, oh, no, that's our only suit. It's on fire. So it's like, let's finish the scene then. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie, um, it comes out. It has a like integral place in like just like the franchise and like in like cinema though. Like as far as just like oh, like we'll get to like the themes of this movie in like a second. But like from here, there's just Godzilla everywhere. There's like mecha anime. There's like cartoon parodies. There's like various like commercials where like. Charles Barkley and Godzilla are like playing basketball. Playing basketball, yeah. As one does. So this is like the start of like this cultural icon, which is like so weird to think as far as just like, oh, like we are not like we're not from Japan, but like we know about Godzilla, you know? Mm-hmm. And like even like modern kids, if you like sat down with like a group of like six year olds said, Hey, like, what's a giant monster or whatever? Like What's like a, a like big character from Japan? They probably say like, oh, like yeah, Godzilla's from Japan, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense because if you think about the fact that this is 1954, right? So, what did anybody in the West know about Japan that wasn't like some kind of over exaggerated, you know, racist comic strip um, version of any kind of culture that wasn't America? And then the, this movie had to have been mind blowing. Yeah, I um did a, a class in college about like just like um various versions of like obscenity, and like one of them was like looking at like um we spent like a week looking at like different comic strips in like the mid century and how they were like how they sexualize people, and one was just like oh yeah like Japanese is like women their vaginas sideways and like our boys can't wait to come back to the good old woman in the US of A. And it's like, what? Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just like a thing. It was like, Jesus. And I was like a 20 year old. I was like, huh, man. Before the internet, people just could say things and get away with it. Yeah, man. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's just like, yeah. Like, we've seen like the pictures of like, what was Captain America doing? And oh my god, what's up with that man's teeth? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. Uh, but yeah, like this movie is like about the spirit of like Japan at that time too. Is like something that like I like really noticed was everything that Godzilla was doing, uh, you could replace him with the US military as far as like, oh, there's ships disappearing and oh, there's like mm-hmm. who's alive? What's going on? There's like random thudding, there's like blast going off, and there's this whole like moment where it's like, okay. This is just like reliving the like 
trauma of what happens when there's like an attack from like planes in the war. This is like nine years from a war that basically destroyed the country. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I saw, I, I wish I could remember like how the entire thing went. What I, I saw uh, something, some kind of meme or whatever one day that was talking about how the, uh, like in Japan, they reacted to all of these issues around nuclear war by, you know, that's how kaiju started to become like such a big part of the culture. And then like with Americans, we like went to superheroes and I wish I could remember like all the ways that they kind of compared those two, but I thought it was a really interesting take, especially when you see like these really er early versions of it. Yeah, no, that's like a, interesting point is it's like oh yeah like how many superheroes like they got hit by radiation and now they're even better at beating up minorities yeah super powered yeah right right yeah it's just it's i thought it was a really interesting take and like you could have we could have several episodes just on that alone <laughs> just how many parallels you could draw there I mean, it's like how many even like in in something like just Marvel, it's like the Hulk got irradiated, fucking Captain America got like irradiated, Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider. Like there's Captain not, you Marvel know. was like irradiated by a very specific type of uh, radiation that you can only get from one planet. <laughs> yep, Fantastic Four. Yep, they got yeah, irradiated. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Weird that radiation uh, doesn't actually do that. Yeah. Back then, they were just like, man, this radiation is so cool. <laughs> I love it. My favorite. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Japan, they're like, oh, my God. Like, the water is irradiated. What do we do? We have no well? Oh, no. <laughs> do you want kaiju? This is how we get kaiju. Thanks, guys. But, but yeah, just like the terrifying thing about Godzilla is like, oh, he just destroys stuff. Like, there's so many moments in this film where I think, like, the miniatures kind of, like, accomplish, like, at least for me, I was like, man, this, the people watching, like, Godzilla destroy a, like, major, like, bridge are probably like, that took so much work to build a bridge in the past, mm -hmm. like, five years. And then right. they're just seeing him walk through it. And, like, that's kind of the, like, terror that, like, I think is very easy to miss if you don't, like, have the context of, like, Hey, remember how Japan was utterly like destroyed, like as far as like infrastructure and seeing mm -hmm. this monster? Like he's not like he's not malicious. He's just like he just is. He's surviving. Yeah. Well, for me, the the part that really put that into context was watching him kick and then pick up a piece of that train and start eating it. Like yeah. I had this sudden flash of just how large trains are when they're passing me. You know, when I'm stopped at a stop and. Just that's mind blowing to think about something, just being able to pick that up and eat it. And I was like, holy shit, like things I didn't think of as a kid watching these. And I think like the interesting thing about like a kaiju being the size of a like man in like a like suit is that that means that the like things that they interact with are like the size of toys, which is just like just cool from like a how you have to film perspective. But also, when you think about like how are people making decisions about what happens to like cities from like a map point of view where they're also playing with toys where they're looking at trucks right. that they're pushing around and like people. And it's like when somebody's like, Oh yeah, we need to bomb and like, let's bomb here. And it's like, that's all that 
the scale of Kaiju kind of like matches the scale of like how decisions get made in like mm-hmm. war too. Yeah. It's it was interesting for me because uh this year I actually went to uh Hiroshima and went to like the the nuclear bomb memorials and stuff, right? And just like having that kind of context in my in my head because uh I went to the the like uh both of the museums and like the one where um the building is still standing from like the the nuclear explosion and just how even on the miniature set when like Godzilla is like running through Tokyo or whatever just how fucking similar that looks to a nuclear bomb is like yeah it, it is spot on what wow. the actual pictures of like Hiroshima look like it like everything was just fucking matchsticks like absolutely fucking destroyed yeah so, like i understand where they're making that like th- i mean the movie in the movie godzilla's kind of like um i guess hubris for them uh you know secretly blowing up hydrogen bombs in the ocean and godzilla's come back because now he's fucking pissed because you're like dropping bombs on his house and it's like oh okay well let's see like like Oh, here's the Pearl Harbor. Here's the nuclear bomb. Like the, mm-hmm. the, I can see the, the kind of allegory there. I don't want to talk about struck work, but something that does kind of that like gives me perspective on this movie is is the movie Oppenheimer. And just to say, uh, there's a lot of similarities there with, with characters like Terazawa, but also just if you think logically. In the aftermath of the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, he's like, okay, cool. And then you think about the hydrogen bomb, and you're like, why did that need to exist? Why did that need to be created? Mm-hmm. Why did a greater weapon need to be made? And I think that's also something that like looms in the consciousness of just like people at the time, especially in Japan, where it's like, okay, so this thing, these things that destroyed cities... And like ways of life also have been scaled up. And there's just this like looming threat of there is a greater wrath. Right. You've made something even worse. Mm -hmm. Which like, let's be real. Like what need is there for a weapon of a scale beyond destroying a like city, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I think a criticism of these movies that like not this one necessarily but like not every Godzilla movie is like this considered but like I don't think in general like kaiju movies like are actually that bad at having characters or like showing people but like this one definitely beats that allegation as far as there's a lot of like great use of minor characters or like the main characters like have like a pretty slight like role in the plot but it's like very well done like the whole like there's the scientist that like wants to preserve Godzilla as like the last of his species and then there's also like his daughter and her mm-hmm. boyfriend the researcher guy and like so like what do you think of these like characters like I really liked like a lot of them like that like one set we meet on that train where they're like oh like I narrowly missed Nagasaki I hope Godzilla doesn't come <laughs> that was great to me Right, yeah, she's like, yeah, she's yeah. like, I, I was almost in one of the fucking atomic bombs. I hope I'm not in a living one. 
<laughs> I I liked all of the characters in this. Like there weren't any that I looked at and were like, well, I don't care what happens. Like everybody was really engaging, even just like the characters whose names you never got that were like screaming at each other when they were trying to work out like how to handle this situation. Like everybody just, you know, really took up their space in every scene and I enjoyed the hell out of it. A like minor character is um Shinichi who's this like young 13 14 year old like kid and like we see him on the island that like first gets like terrorized by Godzilla and he like runs outside to see then his house gets destroyed and his mom and his brother die and then later in the movie he's just like with the like scientists like family and it's just like oh yeah there's like a couple of mentions of oh and we'll see to his schooling it's like oh yeah this is also a country that's used to absorbing orphans yeah right because that yeah after hiroshima that's like kind of all there was right was just children and people who had no families i I, it it was it was kind of like a weird scene to be honest because like i'm talking like specifically about the way that the movie is shot he like runs outside and then his dad like goes to chase after him his dad goes like "Ah," and then their house falls down i'm like what exactly happened like i'm not (laughs) i wonder if it was meant to be like the feeling of the ground shaking or something Uh, maybe yeah but like it just is weird because i'm like well if the house fell down wasn't he like immediately outside of the house like if they got like stepped on or something wouldn't he have been stepped on too i'm just like i was just confused as to what was going on there were some parts of this that i felt like maybe because even for a black and white movie, this one was shot kind of dark. So Mm. I know that there were some things that I missed. And then like for scenes like that one where it did have a kind of confusing perspective anyway, I was thinking to myself, man, I wonder if this was a little bit lighter, if I would understand what was happening right now. For that scene, it kind of made me think of like when I've like read like a book set, like in like a war zone where it's like, Oh, I was outside of my house as it got bombed and my family died and and I just got badly disfigured. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of scene <laughs> in like a book. Right. But yeah, no. Um, the uh, three characters on the train do show up on like a boat later or like two of them do like dancing and then they like see Godzilla and they're like, ah, and it's just like, man, um, <laughs> this is just a terrible time to, there's never like a good time for Godzilla, but like, everyone really understands how bad it is to like have their country like just like destroyed i guess yeah but i mean also i feel like they already know at that point that all the attacks have occurred on the sea so like do you really need to do a pleasure cruise right now or feel like we can (laughs) wait a little bit like yeah that that's (laughs) (laughs) have we thought this out at all what what's happening here no, that's a good point. I probably wouldn't be on a boat at that time. Yeah, I don't think I would. Listen, I paid for that cruise. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> they uh, it, they rain check me, and if they don't, then I, I think I just called that one a loss till we get this Godzilla thing under control. But that's just me. No, oh, yeah. Uh, what do we think of the main scientist, um, Doctor Yanme Yamane? Uh, Yamane sounds more correct but let me see dr yamane um he is like it's like older dude just like tasked with like oh can you tell us about like 
what's going on with Godzilla? And like he finds mm. like a, a like trilobite and he's like, oh, a trilobite. And like his whole thing is that like he's sad that they're going to kill Godzilla because he's like, well, this is like one of a kind being. And also he kind of brings the point like he was baptized in like the H bomb test. We can't kill him. <laughs> like an H bomb didn't work. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It, it's he, he's kind of at the end of the movie, he like kind of laments like, Oh, we've killed the last of whatever this animal is because he's like this feels before reels, hardcore biologist. Who's like, we can't, you know, we can't murder an animal just because it's doing what the animals do. And it's like, well, I don't know about that, dude. Like, it is blowing yeah. up cities just for fun. Yeah. That's insane. Like, they saw this thing fire-breathing the shit out of entire cities, and he's still just like, but we can study it. How, my guy? <laughs> you think it's just going to stand there and let you take notes? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I've been also, like, um, the perspective of wanting to like preserve a species is also just like it's different it's a big part of like kaiju media that's like hey i wish there was a way that we could lead away with food or whatever or like mm-hmm. make sure we weren't killing kaiju and that becomes mm-hmm. like a thing in like the mid-60s there's monster island which is like this island that they have special alarms with the kaijus leave but hopefully they just hang out there <laughs> um he's living with um his daughter and uh, the like orphan Shichi and um, his daughter's um, a like, main character here. Her kind of whole thing is that she um, has a like guy she's dating, but she also is like betrothed to her childhood friend or like Dr. Sarazawa, who is like, Hey guys, I've got an eye patch just so you know that I'm serious. About this. <laughs> Their whole kind of like, love triangle situation like becomes like a way for her to like get close enough to see like what Dr. Sarazawa was like working on and yeah um what do you think about uh her and like also like um that whole like love triangle not that it like really was like a love triangle it's much more of like a comedy of manner style just like yeah oh you're betrothed but like you love someone else kind of thing yeah I I think they they did a pretty good job of showing that, like, she cared for each of them without being, like, overly dramatic on either of the relationships. And I think that's what made it more palatable. I think if they had, like, pushed it anymore or put, like, any jealousy between the two guys, I think it would have, like, rendered it almost inauthentic. So I think that the way they kind of, like, played it really lightly was a good way to not put all the focus on that instead of like, you know, the fact that there's a giant monster terrorizing the city. It wasn't necessary, right? Like it, it, it's there. (laughs) It's there. And it like kind of plays into the plot, like a little bit, but it's not, it's not like a major focus of. Yeah. It could have been done another way just as easily. And it it wouldn't have missed anything. I mean, had it been any other movie, right? It would have like that would have been the the focus. It would have been like, oh, the love triangle. Like, who's gonna find who? Also, there's mm-hmm. maybe a big monster. Like, whatever. I'm sure somebody's made that visual novel where it's like not actually Godzilla, but it is like you know, oh, there's mm-hmm. a big monster, but there's a love triangle. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay, this came out in 1954. There are like millions of fanfics about this at this point. Like, I I can guarantee it. Just do a search. (laughs) At this point, it's not even (laughs) fanfic. It's just like long-running official series where they changed what the monster was and they made it their own probably. They have like cons about it, I'll bet. I don't know. Um, how do you find that? But I bet there's like something based off of this, you know. Uh, and if you know how to find that, please don't tell us. We don't. We don't. We're fine. We're good. I'd play like a '90s visual novel with like not Godzilla, but it's like, oh no, like my dad doesn't want this creature to die, and then there's this guy love, and there's a guy in betrothed to it. Eye patch. That sounds like a good. That's for somebody. Uh, okay. Well, just know. send it to Kip and make sure you say it's just for him then. Most visual novels aren't porn. I, I started to doubt myself when I said that, but I'm pretty sure most visual novels are just like drama. I, I could hear the dot, dot, dot in between. Uh, but no. Uh, so I like the story since like is like pretty understated. Like there's no love triangle to it. It's much more just like how do we characterize the sacrifice that Serizawa makes, I think, while keeping mm-hmm. him this kind of secluded character and like having the gravity of like what he's built and him being aware of it in like the context of history. It's like, oh, he knows that he's another Oppenheimer, you know, he knows that he is making something and like he's saying, like, in multiple scenes, like, I'm only gonna tell the world about this once I find a non weaponized way to use it, and I'm gonna right. hope nobody uses it as a weapon. And even then it's just like, okay. There used to be somebody that he can talk to about why he has to die, why he is eventually going to come to martyrdom, you know? Yeah. I think that probably one of the only other reasons that they would have had that love triangle in there, too, is because she kind of, um, she, like, anchors him to reality in a way. She She helps additionally humanize him, aside from just him having, like, his Oppenheimer thing. She also shows that he has kind of a vulnerability like he is reaching out to someone to understand him so i i think that's why it's nice that it's so understated because they really could have taken that whole situation and ruined all that subtlety by throwing it in your face but that's why the way that it came out was so great because that's all stuff that you think about afterwards he's a romantic character and there's a romantic relationship in like a non-love sense in a non like in like a non-romance sense, I guess is what I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a little bit funny, though. Like, he's like, oh, if I show you my my research, you can't tell anyone. And he's just like, <laughs> he shows her like the most fucked up shit. He's like, watch this, kill all these fish. <laughs> and she's like, you know, reasonably distraught. She's like, oh, like, that's real fuck. Like, why are you showing it? Like, that's real fucking weird. And he's like, hmm, why did I research this? <laughs> In my basement. <laughs> the worst part is she like immediately goes home and you just know she's thinking about writing a BuzzFeed article like 10 ways to tell that the guy you're dating might be psychotic. Right. <laughs> a lot of guys have done what you just described, mm-hmm. David, but with like, hey, watch me feed this mouse to my snake. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like it's it's only like one tier removed away from like, hey, watch me kill a cat. <laughs> No, if it wasn't a breakthrough in science, it would be pretty fucked up. You know what the worst part is, too, though? If somebody says to you, watch me feed this mouse to my snake, like, no matter what happens, whether that's a joke or, like, being very literal, there's no way you want to see it. 
that's never something you want to hear. I wonder if that's a way to like find fellow sickos. <laughs> maybe I, I maybe there's a convention for that too. Once again, don't tell me. If you know, don't tell me. I'm fine. There's lots of conventions for sickos that are non-sexual. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so, just um, quick context for like the rest of like uh, this franchise, though. But um, most movies end up using like the original Godzilla movie as like that happened. And that's the only other thing that's canon. Like sometimes there's like multiple movies in like continuity, like the whole like Showa and like Heisei series are like this movie happened. Then here's like a new Godzilla. And there's like a lot of like one-off movies like that. Um, but um, Dr. Serizawa, he comes up a lot as like being like, this is his nephew. Like um, Ken Watanabe is like his grandson or something in like the American movies. Mm. Wow. He doesn't do anything, Sarazawa. Like, he, it's basically just a look at this last name. Have you heard of it? Because, like, th- right. that doesn't have, like, the original Godzilla's canon. So it's, like, just a last name. Uh, <laughs> John Thanos here, and I'm your lawyer. Is kind of the vibe. I, I, I haven't even watched the movie, but just the way you described it, my, my instant reaction was, man, that's lame as fuck. It, it's pretty lame as fuck. <laughs> It's basically like, oh, this is Dr. Serzawa. And he's like, yes, sting for my name really quick with the music and then also let them fight. And that's really like what he does. But um, so this movie, though, um, does spawn the franchise. But this is not the only version of the original Godzilla movie. Because in 1956, there's a Raymond Burr starring remake of this movie. And like, it's like, let's remake it more like adaptation but basically it's this movie but there's a bunch of like framing a bunch of like framing scenes of like Raymond Burr playing this like reporter reporting world news and like just like rapping be like oh here's like this is like here's this destruction happening in Japan and like that's how Mm. it got sold to American audience so was it just a vanity project for Raymond Burr because that doesn't sound like fun to watch at all it's just kind of like even now, people don't want to read subtitles. Mm. So he can just narrate or talk about what's happening and be like, oh my god, look at that bridge! Like, it's not like that, but like, it, it was like a commercially popular and like it did well movie. It just kind of gave context, like, for the Americans, I guess. Weird. That version is preserved. It's called Godzilla King of the Monsters. Not the most recent one from like 2019 or whatever, but there's like a 56 mm-hmm. version. It's on Max. It's on the Criterion Collection special features for this movie. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch them in order. It's weird because it's, it's not disrespectful. It's not like the bad dubbing like version either. It's just like trying to tell the story in like a different way. Mm. Um, uh, I, th- I think there's sometimes that there's something lost in that. And even if you don't like to read subtitles, maybe just find a different movie to watch. I, personal opinion. I, I've seen the Raymond Burr version. It's like trying to like get across. It is a very different movie, but mm-hmm. what having access to both, I think there's merit to having this like other version just for like the for the oddity of it. But um, what comes in to be kind of interesting though is that thirty years after this original Godzilla movie, they've 
finished the show a series. They're making a like new series for other like the Heisei generation. Um mm. and there's 1984's Godzilla Returns, which is like, okay, here's a second Godzilla 30 years later. Um that movie also got a like adaptation called Godzilla nineteen eighty five, which is currently impossible to find outside of like fan versions or like VHSs. Mm. Where someone's ripped it from a, a thing yeah. and it's like just garbage quality. Is this because like the, the originals are just like gone? Like they don't It's weird licensing situations, but uh. there are fan versions that are at least like DVD quality for it. Um but in Godzilla eighty five, this is like the American adaptation of the nineteen eighty four movie. However, this brings back Raymond Burr as the same character. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. Obsessed. And they wanted him to like make it like a funny like mystery science theater like 3000 thing. And he was like, you motherfuckers, Godzilla is an important cultural icon in Japan and his beauty and his pain and what he shows. I'm going to make this a passionate and important role and like do like Shakespearean monologues. And Mm. yeah, so um, he's like credited as kind of like having Godzilla be like treated seriously in like US adaptations and like he ends that movie like talking about like the inherent kind of like terror and like beauty of Godzilla so it's like he gets a lot of well-deserved credit in the fandom for like two times adapting like a like version of Godzilla one time very much led by him saying I'm not in it unless it's like (laughs) legit so yeah Okay, well, I'll I'll quit giving him shit about the subtitles, and sounds like he actually was kind of cool about the whole thing, so. No more jokes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> For now, though, uh, there has been no collection of the Heisei movies, but people do kind of want it to be like the show collection, where you have Godzilla Returns and, like, the special features. Is you can watch, like, the also, this version, like, uh, but that hasn't been announced. People are very hopeful. Um, but... However, there is one more connective tissue from this movie out, and that is that in 1995's Godzilla vs. Destroya... Destroya. Destroya, yeah. It is about... It is the second movie with the Oxygen Destroyer in it, um, and it brings back Emiko as the, um, the aunt of a main character in that movie, and she kind of talks about how horrible the Oxygen destroyer is and like how it's like how it's kind of like doing a, a like negative thing that the, the technology has been discovered again so yeah um that's like the most like connective beyond this movie like being the starting point for most of the like continuities her showing up there is the next time it really matters and it's cool to be like hey i saw somebody give their life to keep this technology outside of like people's hands and now i'm seeing it come back Mm-hmm. Right, and Godzilla vs. Destroyer. It is a cool ass movie. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, dude, that movie's great. It's probably one of my favorites. It hits like the end of one of the like continuities. It has so many cool fight scenes. It has cool monsters. Um, I would rank like the top three Godzilla villains, like Ghidorah, Mechagodzilla, and like Destroya, honestly, because they're awesome. But um, just back to this movie, though, because uh, this is also the next movie coming out, actually, 
is Godzilla minus one, which watching this movie, I was like, that clock tower was in the Godzilla minus one trailer. And there's a bunch of stuff like that. <laughs> what do we think about just like, how do we like Godzilla? Like as a force of nature, as the collective souls of people that died in the Pacific, <laughs> <laughs> as a good guy, like what's our favorite version of Godzilla? I, um, I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie because, like I said, when I saw it uh, as a kid, I think I saw like a 70s version just because I distinctly remember it being in color. Um, but that's the only reason I think that. But watching this one, I I don't know. Like, I, I found myself the only criticism I would have is I wish that they had given just like a little bit more information about Godzilla. Like, because we had like these really like technical explanations of where he probably came from and like what they were theorizing based on all the tests that they ran. But I, I really wish there could have been just a little bit more about like, I don't know, some kind of confirmation about how he'd survived under the water that long or I don't know, just something. I wish there was a little bit more to uh, give him some more dimension. What, what do you think, David? I I like this movie um, just because of I like this movie more than I did before now that I have the context of um what Hiroshima looked like and comparing it to uh this movie. So like like I can understand, you know, it's 10 years after the war, whatever when this movie comes out and it's very like it's very staunchly like anti-war, anti like nuclear weapons, but like at the same time, there's like a there's like a little bit of a weird like oh sometimes you have to do the bad thing to get the outcome you want type of thing like it's it's a very it's a movie about a specific point in time even though on its face value if you watched it and didn't know anything about it uh, I don't think that you would a hundred percent make those connections I quite like this movie though. It's got a lot of nuance, like, and it's one of those ones that I feel like it, the more time you have away from it, the more you think about things that, like, have a lot more depth than you would originally realize. If you wanted to watch it just for entertainment, you totally could and be very entertained. But when you're also thinking about all these different analogies that it forces you to draw in all these connections, it, it really blows your mind how much they were able to do in, like, an hour and a half long movie. And also, just like I think, um, it's very easy to, like, we're now in a like age where we do just have access to history and perspective, and we can watch a movie, and it's not just a movie that exists for like understanding the fears and like the just like contemporary like Japanese culture of when it came out, and like we don't need that version with the framing device mm -hmm. it's our history too not that it ever wasn't but we have the context to say that like as far as like other people in the world like oh okay we don't just have the let's punch hitler context of history now we also have the what are these other contexts of like world war ii mm -hmm. and i think like it's that like it's become more important not because it's like ever wasn't but just having context means that history and like man there's so much like great film in like the ruins of like world war ii mm -hmm. um very interesting movie um and i really like when godzilla is 
on his own to terrorize things and like just be this weird like wrath like Shin Godzilla Godzilla <laughs> minus one looks cool um do have a soft spot for like the like big monster fight ones though uh yeah mm-hmm. final wars and stuff oh yeah uh have you ever seen final wars Godzilla final wars Steph now that's a, that's a movie what do you think should happen in a movie called final wars Steph I, that's to me sounds like an insurance adjuster's fucking nightmare is what that sounds like it is that is true yeah so i'm looking forward to it being on my watch list now i want to i want to link you this this clip of godzilla versus <laughs> the american godzilla and uh how, how do you think I, I like the clip is short it's 20 30 seconds i want you to tell me what you think the japanese think of american godzilla I th- <laughs> do they think he's full of hamburgers? Uh, he's full of something. Okay, I can't wait. Me and David have seen this clip. Oh, we love your reaction to this one, Steph. Okay, awesome. I'm going to hit play now. Forgot about the fucking soundtrack in this movie. Oh, this soundtrack is incredible. Me. Oh. So fucking funny. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> one part that's missing is afterwards like the like bad matrix evil dude from space is like yeah having a fucking freak out that oh tuna head God. couldn't do it or whatever <laughs> that's incredible but yeah like uh, that's good to tee up though because like what do we think about american godzilla movies um i think final wars made me appreciate the kaiju from the 1998 movie because i was like oh it's just like a separate dude sure but uh that's a fraught subject as far as like (laughs) godzilla goes i'm a kind of there's never been a good american godzilla movie myself but i i haven't watched one yet but i'm gonna be honest i'm probably gonna be the same way just because of all the things that we've talked about here like all of the context of what makes the godzilla movie so great is understanding all of the things that it's referencing and all of these like small connections that make it so much of a deeper film than it appears to be on the surface. And I can't, I can't see an American director treating it with that level of sensitivity. I just can't. So I I wouldn't be looking for a lot from an American version of Godzilla. Uh, I think you should just leave it to the people who know what they're doing to be perfectly honest. Like just let it be a kaiju. So, Godzilla minus one is coming out. The one before that was Shin Godzilla, right? Like that was the latest one is Shin Godzilla. There hasn't been yeah. anything since that. I love Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla is so fucking good. Especially as someone who just hates the Japanese government with a fucking passion. That movie just really <laughs> tickles my fucking funny bone. I think Shin Godzilla is a great. It's basically a remake of this movie in a yep. lot of ways. But um, just really, it understands that, hey, how do we actually deal with, uh, like, something of this level? And, like, instead of being, like, the martyrdom of, like, science, it's much more about, like, can people come together? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when did you last watch Shin Godzilla, David, actually? Um, probably, like, a year or two ago. Okay. Um, let me see if I could find this very important... <laughs> Remember how uh, the creator of Shin Godzilla, Hideaki Anno, yeah, yeah, Anno, 
Um, <laughs> all right. Um, here is a picture, a screenshot from um, Shin Godzilla. And a major plot point, not to spoil it, is that they need to make a chemical to counteract Godzilla. Yeah, they need to freeze them or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, here is a photo of the company and the uh, chemical from that movie. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> Can you read this out for us, somebody? <laughs> it's the SBPCPC. The Smart Brain Peculiar Chemicals Pharmaceutical <laughs> Company. That was a, a, a mouthful. I'm glad you went for it. I knew I'd trip over that. So yeah, um, Mr. Otto loves him some copywriter fies. He um, has been in a manga about like raising his child where he um, like is trying to lose weight to fit on a like fies belt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn. Body shaming and everything, huh? You know, he's just like, I gotta lose some weight so I can wear this fives belt so my kid thinks I'm cool. And this kid's like, I'm eating Cheerios. You're an asshole or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, man, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, but, um, Shin Godzilla is a great movie. It is recontextualizing a lot of the same kind of like things. Um, very auto, too. Um, but yeah, um, I just, don't like the 1998 one because as a kid I was like that's not Godzilla missiles killed him that doesn't happen yeah that's not right that's kind of the whole thing about this movie yeah yeah that's weird and like it's like not like a like man Goku would beat Superman thing it's much more of like a oh like the point of Godzilla is that he's like not something you can solve through violence. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just had a whole movie about that. Yeah. Electrocuted him, shot at him, bombed him, threw stuff at him like nothing was working on the dude. And like a lot of people like the newer like Monsterverse movies, which like we can't really talk about too much because they're like struck work, but mm-hmm. the thing that bothered me about them was that in the first one of the movies, there's a scene where Godzilla is swimming very gingerly so he doesn't, like, cause any waves or, like, damage to some to some U.S. aircraft carriers, and I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? On top of mm. that, something his size could not do that. Period. There's no way he could move so slowly that he would not distribute the water against a fucking uh warcraft carrier at his size it's impossible it doesn't work that way i'm not even that great at math and i know it doesn't work that way just even the most heroic godzilla usually is like all right well fuck this infrastructure oh and there's some tanks over there i'm just gonna take out those really quick for some xp or whatever i don't know but he's just like hanging out oh oh sorry there was one other thing in this movie that really really annoyed me and uh it was when they were, um, we get to the part where they're diving down to put the uh, oxygen thing down at the bottom of the uh, the seabed. But they were talking about how for Godzilla to have survived, he had to have been, like, miles down. Like, right. 
in like Mariana's Trench type place. Exactly. And they're just like, yeah, these dudes in these like fucking 1920s style diving suits just happen to get to the bottom of the seabed where Godzilla is. I'm sorry. No, absolutely fucking not. They would have been crushed to powder. I thought what they said was that Godzilla was in a deep sea cavity before he got awoken. And now he's like in shallower waters. Oh, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I just thought that was really bizarre. Because I think they say that when they're going to like face Godzilla with the oxygen destroyer, that he's in Tokyo Bay. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. A bay probably wouldn't be that deep. Well, who knows? Or they're right by a trench and he came up to see, hey, what's up? So people are down here with a weird bomb. I'm Godzilla. <laughs> well, it shows him like it looks like they're almost waking him up from a nap. It is. Mm. <laughs> like yeah, he rolls yeah, over, like he like rolls, he like washes the sleep out of his eyes. Like it's a, it's a really kind of like what the fuck? I was just in the middle of a great dream. He's just annoyed Secret. that they yeah. woke him up. They're just like, but bitch, I didn't set my alarm for two more hours from now. You guys, right? Have you ever seen those movies from the '60s stuff, like? breakfast at tiffany's like we're like it's like oh and audrey hepper wakes up with a full face of makeup and just like blinking and like oh that's kind of like what Godzilla was doing there it's like oh yeah uh my um my mom used to always like watch soap operas of course when i was at home sick in the afternoons i would have to watch soap operas with her and that was always my thing with like soap opera characters too they'd like wake up and it's supposed to be like six o'clock in the morning but like their hair is done and their <laughs> lipstick is newly touched and i'm like okay i look like i just crawled out of a fucking bog when i first wake up i do not see how they are pulling this off it's incredible what do we think of the actual like final scene of like the like movie though like how Godzilla dies and how like did we like the sacrifice that like Sarazawa makes or like was it narratively like satisfying like I think it was satisfying thought it was I because yeah his biggest concern was that they would be able to persuade or torture him into replicating that technology and i felt like that was the perfect way for him to get to do the quote-unquote right thing but also make sure that nobody was going to make him do it again i really do think just in the context of like oh like people of the time were aware that something that was just like scientific research became a like weapon that there was no he mentions like, oh yeah, I'll find some use for it. That's not that's not a weapon. Bad science, dude. You really gotta <laughs> Yeah, because just because you find a good use for it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't going to still weaponize it. Yeah. He ha- had no way out of his research where he was like, I have to like make this a dead end, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he did what he, he thought he had no other option. Mm-hmm. Um, just to um, bring back one thing is that of all the characters I think there are a lot of characters throughout the Godzilla like movies that have a kinship or relationship to Godzilla I think this movie maybe has the best like the old man scientist like who's like oh like we'll find another one some way based on our bombing but also like has a respect for Godzilla but also like the moment where like Sarah Zhao was like thinking about his life this creature his bomb I think that's like the closest 
most characters will ever get to actually like commiserating with Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So when this comes out, it'll be a a few days after, but there are some events, including those not held by currently struck studios that are airing um, Godzilla Millennium Godzilla 2000 on November 1st. Um, And that is a great Godzilla movie that and I'll be seeing it. So uh, that's the one, David, where the spaceship shows up and it becomes like Godzilla over time. Okay. Oh, uh, but um, the reason I brought up the people that feel a, a connection to Godzilla is just um, one last thing is that uh, my favorite kind of guy from a Godzilla movie is the guy who's like, you know, me and Godzilla have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. And usually it ends with the guy on top of a like skyscraper looking at Godzilla and be like, "Hey, Godzilla, it's me!" And then Godzilla's like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> Destroys yeah. and blows him up. Yeah, it reminds me of those guys that uh, talk about how they're exactly like the Joker, like not realizing <laughs> you're exactly the kind of dude that Joker would take out first. It's endlessly funny stuff in one of these movies where it's like, "Hey, Godzilla." Remember me from in World War II where you saved my boat that one time? You want to hang out? Oh, no, I'm dead. I'm obliterated. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of we played a... You remember that time we played that one tabletop and I got stomped by the elephant that I revered when I was role-playing? Like, yeah. that's exactly what it reminds me of. Like, <laughs> imagine, like, devoting yourself to this cult of the kaiju and then Godzilla just, like, stomping on you without a second regard the second you walked up to him. Man. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh so hard at the ears, just like when that scene happens too. Uh, but no, uh, just <laughs> small side note there, I guess for me. Uh, but that's Godzilla, the original movie, 1954, black and white, but also just well read all over. There's tons of very clear metaphor going on, like even in stuff like when Emiko is like, I'm sorry, like I'm breaking like your promise by telling your research. It's like metaphor for breaking the promise of like being married. It's like a very just like well-made classic movie. It's worth watching. There's so many great ways that like been preserved. Right. And yeah, um, next time we'll be back with Comrade GP, Comrade 3. Um, <laughs> it's not super related to Fies, but it is, however, the prequel to the most related to Fi's thing that happens right after Cup Rider 4. Uh, it's all weird. <laughs> um, maybe we'll watch uh, the trailer. It's available subbed for uh, the like Fi's movie. Uh, cool. Because that just came out but it's not subbed. And yeah, um, any last thoughts on Godzilla, the movie, or the 69th anniversary of the franchise? <laughs> nice. I th- I think it's it's a it's a great movie even now. I think it holds up. I think a lot of the effects still like weirdly hold up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a testament to hey, when you can do it practical in camera and it looks good, it will look good forever because it's real. You don't have to rely on CG for fucking everything. And like yeah, like just like the fire effects, the miniatures are done well enough that they're like believable. Um it's yeah, it's just it's a great movie. Yeah, and also a like testament to sometimes like with movies like this when they get like remade or like 
a like version gets made in like another like country it's like oh we need to have stronger characters sometimes you can have pretty bare or very clear like simple characters and if they're done with the right intention to, to like serve the story you're telling they can work pretty well and i think this movie mm-hmm. is just like to like a broader less toku more just like street writing or like whatever note it works with pretty plain character motivations and like a pretty like mm-hmm. sparsely used cast yeah um now i don't quite feel like saying our normal uh top three characters and like and like best outfits so i will say first off um favorite toku cool moments of miniatures or like scenes or some action Ooh, that's hard i i still don't know how they got all the underwater shots back then they had a tank a tank like they're they're filming in a tank yeah uh wow incredible i think they demolished it after they made final wars i'm i'm still saying no but like what i'm saying is like they have like the ability to film underwater like cameras and stuff like i guess like i mean like obviously it was possible but i wouldn't think like just a regular like that was a technology you could just get especially since it's like clearly film cameras still I, I would think so, and probably it would be like um, maybe they had a very specific kind of non-glare glass that they were able to put the camera against. Right, like some kind of ceramic box around it. it, it yeah, something like that where they could keep the camera protected, because you're right, they didn't have the kind of technology where like anything was waterproof then either. I found a video from 1950 of an underwater camera band, and it's oh, cool weird. as hell. Huh. I mean that hey that must have been the way they they did it just like stick it underneath the or stick it as it's rolling in a tube and go. Yeah. And I bet it was the kind of thing where like you have 5 minutes cuz like the films like so right. large that you don't can only go for a couple minutes or whatever. Yeah, probably. What was your favorite practical effects moment, Steph? Um, mine was definitely um so it was when Godzilla makes landfall at night, and the reason it was my favorite was because I was desperately trying to figure out how they would have done this camera shot back then. And it was one of those things that it was like it tickled my brain so delightfully to think about. But um, in the foreground, they have all the people that are running, and in the background, they have Godzilla, but it's done this like really kind of like shadowy kind of effect and like so you can tell it's from a distance but like the whole perspective of the shot is so fucking cool and it you almost feel like the the people are running at you while you've got this giant kaiju in the background and i just thought it was the coolest scene i've probably ever seen in a piece of like cinema that i can remember you're not alone there Steph, because i feel like that shot gets reused by everything whenever there's something giant get it like it because it's the perfect perspective and like it's 1954 so you know they didn't have anything to help them do that like that's not computer graphics that's amazing yeah um quick shout out to something that does not get done much anymore but they have the whole like rocking set when um Shinichi's like mom and like brother get killed there's like the whole like rocking room and like the ceiling coming down i love those whenever they like show up um but actually the most impressive scene has to be like yeah that like scene where godzilla is like going through like 
just like several districts walking through, but his tail, it's moving and it feels like it's moving naturally. That must have been a hassle of like wires and puppetry and whatever, like to make that work. Um, yeah, and it's such a short scene, but it's such an impactful one just because you know that that wasn't something that would have been like easy to pull off. Yeah, that scene is just continually like brought back and brought back. Um, and um, quick other nod, um, AG Subaraya uh, did the special extras movie goes on to make Ultraman. So this is like mm. super integral. So much of what we looked at can like link back here. Um, I was about to say, yeah, I can definitely see some like similarities in the style. But yeah. And then um, last question. Who's everyone's favorite Kaiju of all time <laughs> in general, in general, oh, man. dude, that's, a hard question, right? Yeah, I mean, like you're talking about like in all fiction. Momotaro, so far, is he a kaiju? He is, isn't he? Isn't he considered one? He's a kaijin, like a strange person. Oh. I guess. Well, goddamn it! I thought I thought kaiju, like by definition, had to be giant. Oh, okay. It's weird because also sometimes people say die kaiju, which is giant kaiju. So yeah, but like let's say. A big MFR. Okay. Okay. Um. Hmm. Yeah, it's a hard question. Um. Ooh. Who was that sun god on that one uh, show we watched? <laughs> oh, fucking Taro Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. Taro Man's pretty cool. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I guess and technically he is a kaiju, so. And I really liked the way that the, uh, like, when they were doing those battles, it got into, like, this almost kind of, like, Monty Python style of animation. Like, I, it, that will always stick in my memory for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so, just to say it, I'll think of another answer, but my actual answer is definitely Ultraman, but... Oh, I was gonna say Jet Jaguar. Oh, Jet Jaguar. I just changed my pop socket to Jet Jaguar. Jet Jaguar is number one. <laughs> Sounded like such a devoted fan. Oh, number Jet Jaguar one. is great. <laughs> Jet Jaguar has a song. He's great. Jet Jaguar knows what to do. He asked me to the sock hop. He's amazing. So I said Ultraman because I was looking at the Ultraman wiki. I meant Godzilla because Godzilla you know it's gonna be the classic but like specifically like mid 90s godzilla with like his like weird ears and his eerie eyes his teeth perfect that's the jet jaguar stuff i just like shared a picture of hell yeah i i saw his movie in the lineup and i was excited to get to it because i it's something about his look i was like i think i'm gonna like this movie <laughs> it's it's a movie of all time i'll say that much <laughs> Like I said, we're supposed to have pretty nasty weather all weekend, so I'm looking forward to kind of just being a couch bum and watching all kinds of crazy shit. No, do it. Uh, there's a ton of great stuff. Um, some horror, some kaijus, some all that stuff. But um, to have a weirder answer, I'm going to say I was trying to find, I think I found one of the monsters. There might be more than one, but a special shout out to uh, P-Star, who is... An oh, Ultraman Kaiju. Ultraman Evil Kaiju, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty dumb. Which is two guys in a suit with a like monster 
in the middle locking their hands, so they have to like fight like they're in like a burlap sack, like a, a like three legged like race kaiju. Yeah, I could see why you'd like that. That's pretty awesome. Any fun limitation? It's for me. Oh, uh, but for now though, Steph, when you're not talking about all this, where will find you? Um, usually your local prison. Uh, aside from that. <laughs> Uh, www.arcademilitia.com or on Instagram at nobodymuch. Um, don't really use any other kind of social media. I pop into threads occasionally, but everything else, uh, if you see my profile, it's probably fake because I'm that important. Okay. And David? You can find me on the Tokyo Fresh podcast or on Instagram at Zyrell or the Tokyo Fresh podcast. You can find me um, on Twitter at James Forge, on co-host at James D. Still working on Blue Sky, but um, the podcast on Twitter at Common Ride is me on co-host at Common Ride. Um, and yeah, um, please check out CommonRideToBe.com for episodes and articles. There's links that are platforms um if you go to uh slash episodes if you go to slash merch there's merch all persons going to the Trevor project you can send any questions to podcast at commonridingme.com and probably at the end of our like fives look we'll like answer some questions and then also look towards the future but for now everyone what did we learn today uh i learned that you're still on twitter which uh, go you for your commitment i i'm really impressed i haven't posted in like seven eight twelve twenty four months on twitter you have to be careful doing that voice people are going to confuse this with your only fans no um i don't submit any asmr on twitter i i'm literally only retweeting stuff about a ceasefire and in the Gaza at this point and like super mario brothers games that's really it that's all I'm doing on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> That's all you really need. <laughs> shit. How we learned the day. I think I've learned that sometimes you got to bring a knife to a kaiju fight and be a martyr. That's fair. Sometimes you got to be a martyr, kids. Everyone's doing it. <laughs> Write that down. Uh, allegedly. Not real. What, what, what's, what's a good word for psych? On the advice of our council, we cannot be responsible for any bad advice that you take from this podcast. Be a martyr. Psych. <laughs>